I heard car doors being opened and the unmistakable sound of policemen falling over themselves in their haste to get to a crime scene before the inquirer. I took one last look at the nightmare, spat on his face, and left the penthouse. The landing was empty except for the statue of some dog-headed ancient Egyptian, but the creeping arrow indicator above the elevator doors told me someone was due directly. I hit the stairs and got down a flight or two when I heard someone coming up, someone overweight and in uniform. I plunged through a set of double doors and crouched down low behind them in the near total darkness, holding the handles to prevent giveaway swinging. My tracks in the dirt would mark my path eventually, but I was hoping the cop on the stair detail would be too concerned with heaving his bulk up to the top of the shop to cast his flashlight about in an orderly, police-procedural manner. I heard the cop waddle past, muttering under his breath. Whoever was in charge obviously had it in for him. Me? I'd have sent the youngest, fittest guy on the squad up the stairs. But the law enforcement mastermind I was up against obviously favored spite over good police work. That might be worth knowing. Then my heart stopped. I couldn't hear the cop moving anymore, but I could hear his very loud and asthmatic breathing, and I could dimly see myself. He had stopped on the landing after all, and his flashlight was shining through the grime and chicken wire windows. Officer Tubbs put his face near the window, lit from below like the boogeyman. I was caught and I had to keep myself from laughing out loud. I recognized the man in uniform and knew how terrible I would feel when the Inquirer ran a headline lionizing the dedicated policeman who had finally brought the killer in. Another fine mess. Then the light moved. Officer Hardy had just been taken a rest. He stumbled up the next flight, and I was in comfortable darkness again. A darkness relieved only by a few shafts of moonlight through inadequately shuttered windows. That's another anomaly of the city. Heavy cloud cover outside, but moonlight indoors. You get used to it. I brushed dust off my knees and looked around for a way out or somewhere to hide. I assumed the police had enough smarts to post a man outside to watch the fire escapes. The corridor revealed that the monogram was a haven for just-going-out-of-business businesses. The glass-fronted doors told me this floor had at one time supported such deadbeats as Chaz Halton, bail bondsman, Marcel Dalio, tattooist, and Henry Hull, DDS, painless dentist and plastic surgeon, no questions asked. There was a trail of still fresh blood leading up to that last office, and a torn away tragedy mask of stained bandages outside. Someone's new look hadn't turned out as well as he had expected. The glass was mainly cracked and distorting. Lloyd Nolan, private enquiry agent, had a couple of bullet holes in his door. The faint chalk outline of a very fat man was traced around some indelible smears between a pair of ugly, overflowing stand-up ashtrays. I cursed the monogram's janitorial staff. 
With this amount of filth on the floor, I would be as easy to find as Theseus in the labyrinth. I reached into my trench coat and found I had my gun back. That was something. I took out the snub-nosed automatic, and it felt good in my fist. I felt like shooting someone, which was a sure sign I'd been on this case too long. The gun talked to me, gave me ideas. If I shot myself, maybe I'd wake up. Maybe I wouldn't be a vegetable. Maybe my head wouldn't explode in the dreaming cradle. Yeah, and maybe if I doused myself in gasoline and lit up a cigarette, I'd get a nice winter tan. There wasn't any easy way out. I walked down the corridor and found the elevator doors. I nerved myself up and stabbed the call button. The cage grumbled down and stopped in front of me.